Welcome to the Midlife Midsters podcast, your podcast for inspiration on being bold and saying yes to making the most of midlife. Today, we're going to have a discussion about the dimensions of grief. I think in midlife, most of us at some point or another encounter grief in some form. It can be the loss of a family member, the loss of a friend, or the loss of something significant in our life that causes us to reflect on where we've been and where we're going. And so I'd like to start off this conversation um, by welcoming our fellow Midsters. I'm Marla. I'm Marianne. And um, our friend Carmen is not with us today because she's uh, on a business trip. Marianne and Marla, you guys have a, a particular take on grief right at this moment because this week coming up, um, there's going to be a charity event that is in honor of a friend of yours that you lost. And so I so thought we would kick off this conversation by talking a little bit about what it felt like to lose a close friend. I had a really um, interesting, um, let's just say, introduction to that loss. And um, and I I guess one of the, the challenges was that I felt like there was something else in the universe that was letting me know that she had died. And um, it was a night where there was an incredible storm in the middle of the night, lightning, just just one of those like terrific, loud storms. And my dog woke me up um, about 2.30 in the morning. And this is the dog that doesn't wake me up in the middle of the night. And I didn't want to go outside. I didn't want to put up an umbrella because I was afraid I would be struck by lightning. And when I came back in, I saw that I had missed phone messages. And I saw that I had some missed WhatsApp calls. And I thought it was, you know, a butt dial or something. And um, then, so I ignored it. And then my dog woke me up again a few minutes later. And we went back outside. And when I came back in, um, I realized that there was a call. And I called Bob. And he said, Virginia is dead. And he was at the hospital in the emergency room. And, and that's how I got the news. And I really believe that she, through my dog, was making sure that I was there for him. And, and so my perspective really changed because I was playing a support role in that relationship and in that news. And it wasn't about me and the loss of one of my closest friends and what that meant to me. It was about supporting him in his grief. That's interesting because it's like you, it, it affects the whole way that you approach the loss because at some point you have to grapple too with the fact that you've lost someone and not playing a supporting role. So how... How did you make that transition, or did you? So they they moved to Costa Rica uh, probably about a year, a year and a half um, before my marriage fell apart. And when that happened, I felt like I was being abandoned um, by my friends. And there was an aspect of grief there. That was a loss of, not a loss of, the friendship, but um, they were people that we saw probably once a week, that that close relationship. And so that changed. And so there was an aspect of grief there. Um, 
And then I I think that <clears throat> I don't know. I don't I don't know how much I've grappled or come to terms with that loss of that friendship. And Marianne, you were also friends with Virginia. Yes, I actually met her through Marla probably close to 20 years ago, 18, something like that, a very long time. Um, and I loved V. So I found out about that death because Marla called me um, shortly after, I guess, she found out. And I remember just, I'd never experienced this before, but I had to hold myself up. And I was so surprised by it. I didn't have the signs. Like you had some signs, it seems like, through the evening that something was wrong. And of course, the with the dog, but but, but I didn't in have, retro. I didn't I didn't have any signs. It was that the dog woke me up, so I was there to take his the call. Call. So they were flying here in part because a friend and myself were throwing a 60th birthday party for Marla, and so that entire day was an ex text exchange between me and V. So it was very unexpected. Like V, V thought she was coming over here. She was telling, listing all the things she wanted me to kind of locate for her suitcase, telling me about her hair dye. She'll get it. I'll get it. How excited she was to celebrate Marla's 60th birthday. And then next thing I know is we're still going to celebrate a beautiful person here, her 60th birthday. But I was grieving what I thought that was even going to look like mm -hmm. um, at a celebration. And another friend of ours, Barb, um, was hosting it. And she, of course, knew V and Bob as well. I got to know V through you. But then I was, I had this wonderful privilege of being friends of both of them in a time where my, my son was sick. We bought this house. Um, out on the bay, wanted a boat, but I didn't know how to boat. I mean, we did have a sailboat at one point. I grew up, you know, water skiing around boats. But actually, Bob, V's wife, I mean, V's husband was the one that actually taught me to basically power boat and not sailboat. And then the other thing is she was so fearful of water or of what was in the water. She wasn't going to get on the boat, but she said, for you, I'm going to. And she was so proud. She lifted up her shorts and she had strapped to her <laughs> a knife for the sharks. I'm like, there's no sharks. So her spirit was always so vibrant. It was celebrating other people. She was so excited about this. And it just made me so sad that this was the time um, that she was not going to be there. So, yes, I knew V. I loved V. I loved her hugs. I loved her smile. I loved how she loved friendships and friends. They were precious to her. And Marla was precious to her. It was a huge loss and still is. I think, and I'm just curious, like when you lose a friend, it's different than losing a family member. I mean, most of us, I think, in midlife have, have grappled at some point, and we'll be talking later in the season about grappling with losing parents. And that seems like in the natural order of things. But just like losing a child is not in the natural order of things. Losing a friend when you're at this stage of life, it, it feels a little abrupt. And I think it brings us um, face to face with our own mortality. And I wonder if either of you reflected on that at all in the wake of Virginia's death. I did. 
It was like, if it, this can happen to her, it can happen to any of us. And the other thing that made me realize is to hold on to your friends, tell them that you love them. Um, because I could be gone tomorrow too. And I, so that piece of it, facing mortalities, I, I don't want to be gone and people not know how much I love them and care for them. And I am more deliberate about that today, in part because I have lost other friends as well, but V was, V was a big loss. So, and she always seemed to tell you that she loves you and where she, you know, how she felt about you. But losing a friend changes a landscape that's unexpected. I expect my landscape to change when I lose my parents um, and older people in my life. But to lose somebody close to your own age, unexpected, that's an unexpected change in in your in your relationship landscape that it does it does make you feel mortal um so so really an interesting question and and we were talking about like that feeling of mortality i don't even know and i'm not sure why and i'll have to you know delve into this with my therapist um even when i was diagnosed with a malignant melanoma you know in the early days of the pandemic um I don't I don't know that that I thought about wow I might die. Um and I know Marianne you've you've said, you know, that sure I could have, but I don't think that I went there. And and I think again that just might be a denial mechanism that I have that I have perfected over the years and I have actually worked to um be much more in touch with my feelings and emotions, but really believe with Virginia that so much of of my introduction to that loss was centered around you know her husband and her children and and how do we do something positive that that I don't know and maybe I'm going to do this now I mean I feel her loss I feel sadness I cry at different moments when I, I wish she was there and I share those with Bob. I share those memories. I but I also feel that somehow spiritually, and maybe this just had a lot to do with timing of so many major things happening in my life that that I see and try to feel the universe keeping her somewhere in my life. We we talked about this. We, you brought white mums yes. to my backyard for, um, it wasn't a memorial service, but it was a get-together. Celebration. A celebration of her life. And, and I remember you saying, well, mums are, are annuals, but sometimes if you put them in the ground, they will come back. And I have one planted in a spot where I put some of her ashes where the butterfly bush didn't make it, but just this season that white mum came back in that spot so so i don't know i i don't know why i don't know you know i do know what it means it mm -hmm. means she's there it means her spirit is there and and for some reason and again i don't know why this loss of a good friend and maybe it's her like maybe because she was so connected with animals and the environment and and that that strength and beauty of spirit mm -hmm. 
that that her spirit is around my world. And so there's, I don't know. And I think that's the gift of friendship. Mm-hmm. I think when you do lose somebody like V, I lost V, the gift of that friendship was for me to be able to reflect on my relationship with her enough to realize that I want my friends to know how much I care and how much I love. And, you know, their spirit, will whether they're here today or 10 years or 20 years, it does live on in me. It really does. We're pieces of all of this. Our personalities are formed in ways like this, these emotions and um, experiences that we have. And honestly, my friendship with V, the best of it, is part of me now. And, and there's another aspect of this, which is you all join together with some other folks to do something to keep V's spirit alive in a bigger and more meaningful, well, I won't say more meaningful, I'm sure it was meaningful to be her friend, but in a way that spreads that meaning to others. Um, and I thought maybe you could talk about that a little bit, how yeah. you took that grief and turned it into a good thing. I'll yeah. let Marla take the lead on that, because actually she woke up one morning and said, I know what we're going to do, Marianne. I think a a reaction that many of us have when we find out that somebody has died is what can we do? Can we send flowers? Can we send meals? Can we make a donation somewhere? And so Bob and I were talking about where could people donate? And he had some very specific thoughts about the type of organization and what it would do and how it would support women and children and people who were in maybe um, abusive environments. And so I started doing all this research online and we found a place. Oh, and we didn't want it to be political. We wanted it to to just be for those people um, because there were some organizations that were associated with political figures who had started it. There was a um, program at a hospital in San Diego that really seemed perfect for what we wanted to do. And um, so so we just sort of sat on that. I reached out to different friends. I shared that with Bob. And um, the next day, I woke up and I knew exactly what we needed to do. And I called Marianne. And 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 this fits so well with, with our Midsters group because I had met Carmen through Marianne and um, in those early days of the pandemic. And I remember our conversations about how the Doorways organization was helping people in our community who were in abusive relationships that were heightened because of the stresses of the pandemic. And so we had been talking about this organization that I actually had known about for many years. And I said, oh, my God, we need to call Carmen and we need to see if Carmen can speak with the people at Doorways and create a fund in Virginia's name through Doorways. And I will say Carmen was on the executive board of Doorways at that time. And, and Doorways a huge, is a shelter, correct? Yeah, it, it is a shelter for um, basically mothers and their children who are escaping domestic violence. Yeah, a safe house. And it's in the community. And Virginia was a physician working in the community for decades. And it just couldn't have been the more appropriate and perfect thing to do. And everybody said yes. So Doorways was was wonderful because when Northern Virginia Alliance League decided to pick this charity, it was going to fund the V's Virginia's um, fund, and which specifically is 
aimed at the children. So giving good mental health, art therapy, very specific things for the children to be able to deal with the the trauma that they've had. Doorways does a lot for the adults and they do a lot for the children, but there is a need in this particular um, spot that allows these funds to go and help those children. And V would have loved that. Yeah. She, I mean, one of the things, and I think we were talking about like her spirit and, and how do you take your grief and turn it into something um, that can be a positive. She was the champion of the underdog and always as a physician, as a friend, always was looking to help others however she possibly could. That generosity of time and spirit, but really of um, supporting those people who needed to be held up and strengthened, whether it was art therapy or learning self-defense so that you could, you know, move forward in your life with that confidence. So this really, um, she'd be very, she'd be very proud of us. And I'm so thankful for doorways because honestly, if I was a lot younger, I don't know if younger is the word, actually a great analogy, but um, saying yes and being bold in midlife, like you just knew that doorways would do this. And we just took this bold position that this is something that needs to be done. How can we make this work? And I know all of us in this stage of life, we expect to lose our elders, but to lose somebody so young and a friend is a very, it's very different. And I spoke about that a little, a few minutes ago about changing the landscape of that, but talking about midlife in general and grief, I know you guys have thoughts, not just on V, but other losses as well. So there's an interesting parallel with um, the story of, of V's memorial and the upcoming event for Northern Virginia Lions League. Marion and I are both members of NBAL. Um, and every year NBAL does a fundraiser and raises money for a different charity. And a few years ago, I was, um, during the pandemic, I was tasked with present- running the event for that year. And there was a woman that was doing our sponsorships for that year who was really just a total dynamo. It's not like I was a deep friend with her as you all were with V, but I got to know her very well working on this, liked her a great deal. And at one point during the run-up to the event, I said to her, you and I have got to get together. We have to have lunch. We have to have coffee. Like, I want to get to know you better. And a month later, she died. And it was very unexpected. I, I think she knew that she was dying, but no one else knew. Um, and I just, it was like a gut punch. Um, and some of it was the sort of sense of mortality, like when someone dies, which we've talked about. But also I think for me, it was this like, wow, you just do not know what is going to happen in life. Like here we were working on this project, totally vital woman with energy, boundless energy. And then she just died. Um, and so it's it's scary to see the underpinnings of your world disrupted in an unexpected way. And death is definitely one of those things. Although, as we all know, there are other things that happen in midlife that that also create that disruption in your in your in your plan. Right? That's true. I actually knew this individual as well, but not very well. And when that happened, I have to tell you, it hit me as well. But if I were to describe it, it was regret. 
regret for not getting to know this individual more. You're right. She was vibrant. She was full of life. And so now, and that's another thing that I've kind of learned from a death of somebody, not as close as like V. But if you have that instinct like you did, and you would have definitely, I know you, Leslie, and you would have had lunch. Y'all would have would have definitely spent time and um, nurtured a relationship there had you given the opportunity. But when we see people in our lives and we want them in our lives, we need to put them in our lives. Yeah, and we talked a little bit before actually sitting down to record this about there, there's an important thing, like some of the losses that you go through in midlife are deliberate. Um, and we talked about this in our episode on friendship. You do have to sometimes cut people off um, and that's the twin side of what you're talking about. You also have to recognize and honor those people that present themselves in your life that are positive forces. Um, and then you have to terminate the friendships that are negative forces. And there's a lot of grief with that as well. Um, it's really sad to let a friendship go. Again, it disrupts sort of the pattern, the landscape, as you say, Marianne, of your life. But sometimes it's really important to do that. I think it it just goes back to our our motto of boldly saying yes, right? It it's about being true to life, about being open to positive and negative experiences that that present themselves and figuring out what you take from it and how you move forward with that. And I think that, you know, part of, you know, we talk about midlife and and we do have wisdom. Um, through our friendships, through our life experiences. And and sometimes, you know, you don't think you do, right? Until you say something or somebody shares back with you something that you said and, and realize how, you know, we are continually moving our lives forward in a trajectory that, that can be very positive and should be very positive, but that is is colored and affected by all those decisions that we're making and all those experiences that that do happen to us. And all those people we choose to bring within our circle and those that we regrettably have to eliminate from the circle. Yes, I think as, you know, we move forward through our life and know where we are in life and we have another stage or two, hopefully, in our life, that letting go is actually not allowing your environment to be polluted by things that you don't want. You know, I, I want to collect the positive things. I want to surround myself with that type of energy. And as hard as it is, and you, we will grieve letting some things go, but the benefits from that will be rewarded um, throughout the rest of our lives. I believe that. There's one other aspect of, of grieving loss of people in our lives that I, I think it's kind of important to touch on, and that's... Um, Sometimes it happens very suddenly, as it did for you guys with Virginia. Sometimes it happens very deliberately when we have to make a decision. But sometimes um, loss can be a long, slow process. And um, I, I will say from my own perspective, um, I'm kind of going through a situation right now or sort of watching a situation right now where the, the last of my parents' generation, an aunt with whom I'm particularly close, very fond of, um, is is in the end stages of her life. And I've seen this before with my mother-in-law um, who had a sort of protracted decline. Um, and it's a time to say goodbye 
it's a long, slow goodbye and sort of treasuring those last moments um, and, and sort of making the best of that. I can't really do that with my aunt because she doesn't live anywhere near me. I do try to check in with my cousin to see how she's doing. Um, it feels inadequate. I wish that I could be there with her because I know at some point she'll be gone. And even though I don't see her, I haven't really spent a lot of time with her. It's a loss. It's a loss from um, the constellation of my life, right? Uh, and I think that when you have that long, slow goodbye, it it's a challenge of its own. I don't know if you all have ever had that kind of a loss. I'm having it right now. I mean, my mom has end-stage Alzheimer's and has had this for, you know, we talk about, it's probably been 10 years now, but but end-stage for several years now. And, and that loss, that slow, steady decline, um, you know, she's, she's still alive. Um, she still smiles when she sees me, but that's it. That lingering of those feelings of grief is tough, ha- has, has to be really hard. You know, grief is hard and death is hard, but hanging on to the life of that individual, one of the things that I love over recent years that I've seen a change, they used to always call it a funeral and a wake, and, but the word funeral always kind of bothered me because it had such a finality to it, I guess. <laughs> but I love that people now are having celebration of life. It brings the positivity to it. So in that darkness of grief, to celebrate that individual's life um, is really special. And I don't know when my day's going to come, but have a celebration of life. <laughs> I do not want a funeral. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, t- I totally get that. It's it's nice to focus on the positive things that someone left behind. It's true. But I know the lingering that you, you guys are talking about, I've never personally experienced that, but it must be horrendous. It must be horrible. It, it creates um, a lot of ambivalent feelings. Like I, when my mom also had a very slow decline. Well, I mean, relatively slow. It was over the course of about nine months. And it was very apparent from the beginning that it was, the, this was it. You know, it was just a protracted process. Um, and it just stirs up so many uncomfortable feelings because on the one hand, you don't want the person to leave this world. But on the other hand, watching them suffer, there's like a feeling of, oh, please, let's just let's, let's end, you know, and you don't want to say that out loud. You don't want to even think that, but you, you see that that's where it's headed. But that's love. It's an aspect of love. It is sure. an aspect of love, not wanting somebody to go through that. It also is, I think, the more and, and you know, this is a, another topic we might touch on is end of life and um, how more often than not, it is that slow, drawn out and not a, an abrupt end. Right. Well, what I would say is for all those listeners, embrace those people that are in your life love them, let them know how much you care. And the grief process in losing them will be much easier. There will not be regret because you've actually let them know exactly how you feel. Take that goodness. And celebrate their lives while they're still alive. That's a good point, Leslie Ann. Yeah. And also, like you said, they're, they're, in, they're in our being, right? 
every relationship, every lesson, every story, every They're part memory of us. become part, part of you. I love that. Thanks for joining us with this episode of the Midlife Midsters podcast. Um, if you don't already follow us, you can find us at www.americanmidsters.com. And if you're interested in the fund that we talked about today that was created in honor of Marla and Marianne's dear friend, it's the Virginia McCaffrey Fund for Children at Doorways. Um, you can find them online. And we hope you'll join us on future episodes.